the kids were at the forefront of another remarkable win by the Utah Jazz, and we're talking about it next on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is the March 21st edition of Locked On Jazz. The Utah Jazz shorthanded without Clarkson, Markkinen, and Sexton. Stunned the Sacramento Kings after a furious first quarter. They come back. We'll walk through the final three minutes and talk about all the things the Jazz did that were uh, showed that they were the young guys, Ochai Abaji and Walker Kessler, making the plays. Will Hardy's had about as good a two days as a coach can have. We'll look at what he's done in the last few games and how he completely disrupted the game plan of the Sacramento Kings. Mike Brown made an interesting comment about expansion. We'll touch on that. And Kelly Olynyk deserves an awful lot of praise for what he's doing in the game for the Utah Jazz right now. That's all the things we've got for you today on Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan. I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and glad to be with you each and every day. We are free and available for you on every podcasting platform, app, whatever you want to call it. Plus, we're on YouTube. Join the community. Please give us a follow and a like and a subscription and then hit that little bell on YouTube and join our community. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in to the show today. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, let's get right down to the last minutes of that game. Because, first of all, is this crazy? Is this just crazy or what? Uh, God, I, you know, it was fun. I went back and listened to the broadcast last night, and you can just hear Craig Bowlerjack's excitement. Like, you can hear what a great time everyone's having and what an incredible season this has been for all of us. I mean, you listen to Bowler's call in the final three minutes of last night's game. He is seriously geeked up, fired up, and excited. And it's super cool to hear that uh, out of Craig. Let, let's walk through. I re, when I rewatched the game, what jumped out to me was the role of Ochai and the role of Walker. So let's walk through those for a second. There's, I'm going to start it at about four minutes left in the game. And the Jazz trail, 117-113. Chris Dunn's just hit a top of the circle three uh, on, a, on a nice play. The Jazz moved around. I called it a zip code three. In other words, no one's in your zip code. And now the Kings get it. And, uh... There's a loose ball foul on Sabonis after Fox misses a nine-foot jumper fading on the left side that is altered by Kessler. Sabonis gets a loose ball foul, a little bit of frustration, not a great offensive set by the Jazz. Kings are up four. Like, you've got – Kings are now up four. There's 3.30 to play. Like, you've got to be getting stops here. And Sabonis tries a five-foot hook shot over Walker Kessler, and he misses. This guy shoots 60%, and he – has always struggled against Gobert, and he struggled miserably last night. Kessler blocks that shot. Jazz clear. Olenek has it. Come down, and Ochai Abaji gets a three tough three-point look and misses. Okay? So, like, it's great, though. 320 left. 
Ochai with the opportunity. Big moment. He misses. Kessler's made the play. Now we're down to three minutes left, and we've really you don't want to fall behind by more. And sure enough, Fox misses. Murray gets the rebound. Miss M- Monk misses, and Sabonis lays it up and in. So we're down six now with three minutes to play. And Ochai Abaji buries a three with 2.41 left, literally 40 seconds after he missed the last one. Kind of great, right? Kind of great that he's got enough guts, enough freedom, enough chutzpah, whatever you want to call it, that is willing to go take that shot 40 seconds later. They go back down to Sabonis, 2.19 left, and, and Kessler gets him again. Doesn't block this one, but gets him to miss a five-foot hook shot. So you've literally got Ochai and Walker involved in every play. Next time down, Ochai hits a f- runner off the right side of the glass on a beautiful drive to the basket, and now we're down to one. Fox hits a three. Alinek hits a three. Jazz still down one. 134 left. And Sabonis inside, and Kessler blocks him for his fifth block of the game. With 120 left in the game, and Walker Kessler gets him with a left-handed block where pretty clearly, I think at that point, Sabonis sees the right hand up, drops to the left side, thinks he hasn't beat. Kessler gets his fifth block of the game. Kessler clears his own block. Dunn draws a foul, and the Jazz go up by one. Sabonis, with a little juice, dunks one to put the Kings back up by one, and with 41 seconds left, Ochai Abaji drives to the basket, gets fouled, and hits free throws for points 26 and 27 on the night. And the Jazz are up 125-124. Barnes misses a three. Jazz throw it away in a little bit of panic. Somehow Barnes and Monk miss open threes. Kessler clears the rebound. Kessler makes one of two free throws. We're not done yet. Monk misses a three with 13.5 seconds left, and then the Jazz hold on and win it. But look at that stretch of basketball and how much Walker Kessler and Ochai Abaji were involved in every single play that existed there. Every single play is a is almost is Ochai Abaji or Walker Kessler. Ochai on the offensive end, Walker on the defensive end. Really, how, how do you put a value on that? Like, we can... Discuss all these various things. I mean, Draymond Green went on a tirade last night about the Houston Rockets and how, you know, bad habits are hard to break. Like, we're getting the exact opposite. You know, maybe, you know, and it matters. Like, it's hard. Like, do you think the Oklahoma City Thunder would rather have Evan Mobley or Josh Giddy right now? Like, that was a one-game difference. And Josh Giddy's pretty damn good. But Evan Mobley's really special. And so, yeah, I got it. Like, there's a bunch of people out there who, like, hope this thing was a tank or – you know, ten. I think the interesting one is 10 or 13 games ago, <coughs> there was a feeling the Jazz might lose 24 or 27 to close and get to the fifth pick. They've done the opposite. They're above 500 since the trades. That is where Will Hardy and the heart and soul of this team deserve an incredible amount of credit. When the Utah Jazz lost to Minnesota, after trading Mike Conley, I mean, I think, I really thought if the Jazz didn't have Mike Conley that they wouldn't win any games all year. They had lost three in a row. They were 27-29. and 29, And since then, the Jazz are 8-7. and seven. 
or if you count that night, we're eight and eight. I kind of don't. The Minnesota night to me is kind of like it got the trade happened in the middle of the night. With wins over Boston and Sacramento and Toronto in the process. Pretty incredible. Will Hardy's had about as two good nights as you can have as a head coach. So, in the last two nights, the Jazz have taken Jason Tatum completely out of his game and Demodis Sabonis completely out of his game. And at this point in the league, and it's been the theme of conversation all year, the best players are so great that trying to figure out how to slow them down, what you're going to do defensively, trying to make life difficult on these guys, has become the next real question. Sacramento, we talked about yesterday on the show, they have the number one half-court offense in the NBA. They're just loaded. How? They run the most dribble handoffs. They have Sabonis controlling the dribble handoffs. They have Sabonis making all these plays. And then they play transition, but then Fox also. The Jazz eliminated the dribble handoff game last night at an incredible rate because they went to that zone defense. The zone defense took away the dribble handoff game of Sacramento. So Sacramento, who likes Mike Brown post-game, kind of praised himself and, and the team on the amount of, and I like Mike a lot, I didn't mean that, like, he did. Like, the, he, what he likes about his team is the fact that they play a totally different, versatile multitude of different ways. And last night, as I'll show you here in a second, the Jazz literally took them completely out of the way they regularly play, took the number one half-court offense in the NBA, the number two all-time in the history of the NBA, and altered the way it wants it plays to a point where it they were out of rhythm all night. We'll talk about it. Uh, I'll, I'll show it more. And, and Will, plus some play calls. Will, Will Hardy's had a really, really good week. We'll talk more about that. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The Hyundai car, the lineup, the Palisade. I was at the gym. My friend Amy's there in her Palisade. I always love that story. Her husband's got the ritzy name brand car, and she's always going to the garage. She's like, where's my car? Well, my husband's driving it because he loves the Palisade because maybe it doesn't have the flashy RR name or something like that, but it's got all the bells. It's got all the whistles. It's got everything else there, and it serves all the purposes and gets it done. If you want to look at a Hyundai car, do so. I'll set you up with a VIP meeting with either Cameron at Murray, Jake in Logan, or excuse me, in Linden, or if you're heading up to Logan, we can get you the VIP meeting there as well. It's all at Murdoch Hyundai, located 4646 South State Street. Go check out the Hyundai cars. See if it matches for you. I promise you, you'll get the most bang for your buck over at Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel, fanduel.com slash Locked On. FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network, and it is America's number one sports book. The tournament is heating up. So download FanDuel. Become new customers. Get the no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sports app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line of the point scores to the threes drained. You can include core markets like spread, ML, 
total, player props, rebounds, assists, points, also many more exclusive bets. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance to have a bigger payout on the same day, same game, parlay. So don't miss out the chance to go with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more, make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. I also want to thank you um, for your great support as sponsors. Uh, FanDuel, uh, the ad agency that represents FanDuel, just named, nominated Locked On as the best client of the, of the either the month or the week. I don't remember uh, which it was, but I, I want to thank you for that. That's because you're supporting uh, our sponsors. Uh, we've had amazing success rate for our sponsors. Um, universe. It's why you hear a lot of the same names over and over and over again um, here on Locked On, and it's because of your incredible loyalty. So thank you. Thank you very much. So let's. Sacramento runs 38 handoffs a game. The next closest in the league is 28. The Jazz run 20, which is kind of league average. Last night, Sacramento ran 18 handoffs in the entire game. So Will Hardy and the Jazz game plan Took Sacramento, who runs 38 handoffs a night, and got them down to 18. They only had three direct actions off those handoffs and only had two direct points off those handoffs and averaged .67 points per handoff. This is where the, they're at their best. And the Jazz literally took it away. They throw the most passes in the league. They threw 359 passes. They... They did their, you know, they kind of, but they couldn't play the game they wanted to play. And in turn, that left Sabonis without all of his ball handling, with all of his actions up top. Now he's just playing in the post against Walker Kessler. And as we know about Sabonis, when he was going up against Rudy Gobert, he used to really struggle against length. And he went one for five in the first quarter last night. He did not take a shot in the second quarter. I believe he was one of six at the end of three quarters. So he'd taken one shot in the third quarter and then tried a bunch of things late in the fourth quarter with limited success. That, so we, we got to give great credit to Walker Kessler because the length is what allows it to happen. But, you know, one of the great mysteries, I think, to all of us, if we're being super honest, is like, how is this team still winning? Like, I saw Michael Smith in the parking lot last night, and I'm like, what the? I know. I open. He taps on his window, and he opens. I, go, I, I know nothing about basketball. That's how I open the conversation. He's like, ah, oh, they play hard. There's more than just playing hard going on here, right? There's just more than playing hard going on. Sabonis so was two of five in the fourth quarter, after taking one shot in the third quarter. No shots in the second quarter and going one for five in the first quarter. One for four in the first quarter. He was way out of his game last night. That's because of the length of Walker and deserves the credit, but it's also because Will Hardy went to this zone defense and the zone defense literally had them so out of their game to a point where they could not run the stuff they most commonly want to run, which is their dribble handoff game. So give credit. You know, that's Will Hardy, the same thing. Jason Tatum did not get much of any rhythm the other night. They doubled him. They played the zone. They didn't lose the focus on him in the zone. <clears throat> and really an incredible 
kind of work and aspect of what the Jazz have been able to do in the last two games by break, you know, by playing this zone and taking things away from opponents. Um, and the zone for something that the Jazz have not had in for very long, kind of incredible how much impact the Jazz have had in this. I'm trying to see if I can get you the zone numbers for last night um, as as well. I have the offensive numbers for everyone. I do not have the defensive numbers um, handy. Um, I'll see if I can find them for you. But really, you know, pretty amazing work by Will Hardy, by the Jazz, to be able to put this in in two games and have it work at this level. Pretty awe-inspiring. And for two games in a row, they've taken, most importantly, they've taken the guys out of the game that they want to. According to Synergy, there was only two handoffs all night which actually had an outcome based on the handoff from Sacramento last night. That is that is such a stunning number. I, I have a hard time even believing it. When they we all know that they run twenty eight a game. It's really pretty awesome. Jazz played fifty seven possessions in the zone last night. 18 in the first quarter, 16 in the second quarter, 10 in the third quarter, 13 in the fourth quarter. Sacramento averaged 1.12 points against the zone. This is a little bit of yesterday's conversation. That's actually pretty high. It's not like, in fact, the Jazz half-court man turned out to have a better statistical day than the zone at 1.07. However... One of the things that's happening here is you're changing up the game, you're blanking the rhythm, but the teams are so good offensively that what used to be a zone defense at 1.12 and you're like, yeah, that's not good enough. That's actually now fine. Sacramento's so great defensively or offensively that that's now fine. Sacramento, for the season, half-court offense is a 104.5. So you don't want to be allowing 1.12 forever. But if you're keeping him in the half court that way, keeping him out of other things, it's probably worth it. But it is it is kind of worth noting that the 1.12 is actually fairly high. So it was it was a disruptor as much as it was a like open success last night. But it took Sabonis completely out of the game. The other one that Will Hardy's doing is finding a way to score without scores. Right, Kelly Olynyk is the leading scorer going into last night's game at 12 points a game. And that and and I and Kelly's awesome in his ability to kind of evolve and change for the night and the game. I thought Will Hardy's comment after the game was really telling like and it's truthful like Kelly probably doesn't mind when he comes to the state most guys don't. And guys are out. Like, oh, it sucks we don't have Lowry. Yeah, except, okay, I get to shoot tonight. Like, we got to remember that to be true. It goes back to the story Kelly told me earlier this year about how did he like being in Houston. It's like it was the greatest thing in my career because I got this feat. I got I, I got a chance to really show what I can do and who I am. You know, we didn't win a lot, but for those 25 games, I regained my kind of spirit of the game and what all my skills were. These guys want to make plays. These guys want to do things. They want to be involved. They they don't really want to be 14-minute-off-the-night bench role players. And so 
you know, last night, those guys are pretty geeked for the opportunity. Fontecchio starting. Chris Dunn's going to get a ton of time. Kelly Olenek's the leading offensive guy. He can go play with the ball in his hands. He can do all sorts of stuff. And so they're juiced. But Will Hardy did another did a marvelous job of putting them in, in, in position. One of the biggest buckets of the night is Ochai's bu- bucket, the banker with about five we ran through earlier. It's a face cut off a set play that Hardy runs for Markinen with the Jazz running action up top and then and they clear everybody high, and then Ochai runs a, a cut in front of the basket, and, and that's getting the ball on the run and getting the ball on the move. That's Will Hardy giving his guys a chance. You're not telling Ochai to go play isolation ball here at this stage of his career. Tim Lacombe had an amazing note last night on the Utah Jazz on the about the minutes played last night. The overall minutes played by guys that were vital to the game last night. Ochai Abaji, 878 for the season. Simone Fontecchio, 530. Chris Dunn, 251. Udoka Azubuke, 171 minutes. Johnny Juzang does not have 100 NBA minutes yet. Juan Toscana Anderson, 122 this year. It's really remarkable that they won a game playing that many guys that are non-regular rotation players. All right, Mike Brown had an interesting comment um, I'll try to get to uh, that I thought before the game that's, you know, alludes to the Jazz, why the Jazz were able to win it. Uh, and then I want to look at the playoff race and just the insanity in the projection, projection systems uh, for you before we do our daily lottery, which feels silly that we keep doing it, but we will keep doing it here on Locked on Jazz, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. For your second listen, how about Locked on NBA Big Board getting ready for the NBA draft uh, with the guys. Mike Brown, uh, Rafael Barlow, Leaf Tulin, Sam Ferris, uh, and Richard Stamen do a good job on that NBA big board. Mike Brown made the comment when he was asked about Jazz not having their three leading scores. Like, you know, we haven't expanded forever. This league is so ready for expansion. The talent is so deep that when you do miss your primary guys, guys can make plays. I think that's really the truest part of this. As much as we all talk about, <clears throat> you know, what, what it is, you know, Oh, my gosh, how do you possibly win that game? You know why? Because Simone Fontecchio is actually a pretty darn good player. Like, he was the best player in Italy. He was pretty good in Europe. And we just have so much depth and talent. Like Chris Dunn was the fifth pick of a draft, and he's working his way back in the league. Like, it's pretty cool. He's playing probably the best basketball of his career. You know, you, you it does seem, you know, it does seem insane that you're able to win games when you're playing guys that haven't have played as little as we just talked about. But it's also a tribute to how incredibly deep this league is. In so many ways. All right, I want to run through some of these projection systems because, honestly, they're just nuts. So, Basketball Reference has a project playoff projection system, and it was not updated late last night. It is updated now. Here's what they project for the Jazz. They project the Jazz now with a 68.3% chance of making some sort of play-in. 68.3% chance. It's kind of great. A 13% chance that we get into one through six. A 10% chance of being the seven seed. A 13% chance of being the eight seed. A 16% chance of being the nine seed. And a 17% chance of being the 10 seed. The They actually even have us with a 1.7% chance of being the four seed at this point. We have a 37% chance of actually making the playoffs. 
So 68% chance of making the play and a 37% chance of making the playoffs. They project, this is insanity. They project, and each of these systems will be a little different. They project Dallas at 41.5 as the sixth seed. Check that. I don't know why they have it this way, but they... So they project the Warriors at 41.6 as the sixth seed. They project Dallas as 41.7 as the seventh seed. They project the Thunder at 41.2 as the eighth seed. They have the Timberwolves at 40.6 as the ninth seed. And the Jazz as the tenth seed at 40.3. The Lakers at 39.9 as the 11th seed. And the Pelicans at 39.8. Now, that was a lot of numbers, but let me walk, make sure you got this. Between the Warriors at 6 and the Thunder at 9, 41.6, 41.5. Or excuse me, that's the Timberwolves at 9. 41.6, 41.5, 41.2, and 40.6. One game separating all of them. Between the Timberwolves at 9 and the Pelicans at 12, .8 games separate all of them. 1.8 games in the end of the season projections separate the 6th and the 12th seed. This is madness. Really, at this point, it's have, like, the Jazz have a really hard schedule, and if they can, like, sneak some games, it like last night, or even you know somehow stunningly win one of our next two. I, I don't know how we could win it, one of our next two. Uh, or, excuse me, uh, Friday and Saturday. Uh, we, we probably need to win our next one. Um, the, you know, it's it's kind of hard to, like, it's crazy. Like, But if you can you steal one against Milwaukee or Sacramento and, and really bend the model? 538 has the Nugs, then the Grizzlies, then the Kings, so they have the Kings as the third seed. Then the Suns is three. And the Clippers at four, at forty, at five, at 43 and 29. And then are we ready? They have the Warriors at six at 42. The Mavericks at 42. They have the Lakers at 41. So they have the Warriors at six at 42. Dallas at 42. The Lakers at 41. At eight, the Timberwolves at nine at 41, the Thunder at 40, the Pelicans at 40, and they have the Jazz at 39. They have the Jazz sliding all the way and have the Jazz with a 14% chance of making the playoffs. That doesn't include the play-in. So Basketball Reference has the Jazz at 37%. 538 has the Jazz at 14%. I mean, really what it comes down to now at this point is the Jazz are sitting at 35 wins. And we've got to find a way to probably get six more. How can we go six and five to close the season? Let's play the game. You count them out. Portland Wednesday. Okay, I'll take it. 
Home against Milwaukee. Ugh. At Sacramento on a back-to-back. Ugh. Home against Phoenix. Ugh. Probably going to have to steal that one. We got to find six here. At San Antonio. Okay. That's two. At Boston. Ugh. At Brooklyn. Might have to try to get that one. Three. Home against the Lakers. Probably as important games we'll play in the playing run. That's four. Home against the Thunder. That's five. Home against the Nuggets. Is it possible that the Nuggets have shut it down? And that's six before you go the next day to L.A. to wrap up the season. It would be quite a story if the Jazz can go get those six or seven the rest of the way. It's certainly not going to be easy. So, let's play our lottery. Currently, the Jazz are sitting with the 14th pick, the last pick of the lottery, and a 3.4% chance of top four and a 0.7% chance of one. Minnesota's at 16 and not in the lottery, and Philadelphia is now 28th. So, let's see what we get. Orlando gets the number one pick of the draft. New Orleans gets the number two pick of the draft. Toronto gets third. Wow, that'd be big for Toronto. Indiana, four. Detroit slides four spots to five. Houston slides four spots to six. San Antonio slides four spots to seven. That would be really worth it for those teams to not win 20 games. Charlotte slides four spots to eight. Wow, this would be a really, this would eliminate tanking. The four teams have lost the most games in the league would go five through eight. Portland at nine. Washington at ten. Orlando gets Chicago's pick at 11, so they would end up with one and 11. Lakers hold their pick at 12, Oklahoma City at 13, and the Jazz at 14. So it would be Utah 14, Utah 16, and Utah 28. That is Locked on Jazz today. Thanks so much for tuning in. We super appreciate it. Live from the van from the Snowbird parking lot, if you're wondering. Get it, lo- upload this and go get some turns in. Have a great one. Talk to you soon.